Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Back Builders podcast. Today, you guys know I don't do guests very often, but when I do bring on a guest, I know that it's something that is going to bring you guys value and a new perspective. Um, but with me today, I have Ben from the Oaks and Oaths Instagram, and then he recently made a podcast, which is also called, it's just called Oaks and Oaths, right? Yeah, the Oaks and O's podcast. Yes, sir. Oaks and O's podcast. And he's on episode three now. And what we're just going to talk about basically today is I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there's been a change going on within the minds of young men. And it's easy to just deduce this down to like, oh, it's just an Instagram fad or, you know, it's just a new trend. But I think it's more than that. And I think that this is only going to get um, brighter from here. But with me today, you know, I have Ben, who we're going to talk about this stuff together. But um, nonetheless, Ben, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And then just so the audience knows who you are and where you come from, maybe you can give them just a quick little intro before we jump into this. Absolutely. Thank you, Forrest. Uh, mm -hmm. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Uh, this is my first of these kind of interviews. And um, so if I stumble all over my words, uh, hopefully I don't get too much egg on my face. So a um, little bit about me is I'm 32 years old and I was born in Ohio, but now I live in Athens, Georgia. I've been a Norse pagan for or just about um, four years now since, um, actually no, three years since 2018, huh. March of 2018. And um, yeah, I am a graphic designer and a copywriter by trade. And somebody who is um, has a long and checkered history with Christianity, uh, dabbled with atheism for a while, and then um, through some kind of transcendental, transcendental mystical experiences, I found myself in the Norse pagan path, and I continue to walk that um, more all the time with an increasing interest in the topic that I believe we're going to be discussing today. Oh, yeah. I, I actually, I was just thinking about, because one thing that I always mention is, how did I meet how did I meet you on social media? Was it through the gatherings? Because we never met at a gathering yet, mm -hmm. which is crazy because I've been to a few, you've been to a few. And then I'm always like, Ben, are you going to this one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think actually I just saw your stuff. It was me. I, I was the one who uh, made the first uh, initial contact because I, I like what you were doing for us because it was, um, I liked you come from a position of authority in the military and experience that can relate to a lot of other guys. I think there was an overlap that, we both really care about um, mm -hmm. men becoming better at what they do, whether that's physical, spiritual, uh, emotionally, relationally. And you are just a strong voice. And I admire anybody who makes a stand and says something strongly um, because that takes courage. So I think that's what attracted me to your page initially. Yeah, I think I, I remember that. And then um, I saw the content that you started posting. And then I was like, oh, this is in line with my values, which it's like, so I don't know how long we've been following each other. It has to be maybe six, eight months or so. But I noticed mm -hmm. that you started posting about the same things that I was thinking about. That's what caught my attention. And ultimately what it comes down to, guys, is um, people like Ben and I, there's a f more than a few other content creators out there. Like I, I always mention them, Nature Chad, uh, Flow Modus. You got Jack Donovan who are now reaching this solar ideal. And I, I don't know why, but I'm having such a hard time actually defining it and talking about it, but I can feel it and I understand it and I inherently know what it is. So I guess um, 
I guess we could just start talking about this. It would it would it be dramatic to call it a solar revolution? But I think before we even talk about a solar revolution, we have to define like what solar is from a masculine perspective. And I know that you had like a really good idea of what that is. So it's funny you use the word revolution. I mean, honestly, it's the Earth that's revolution and doing a revolution around the sun. I mean, this the sun is the constant in our in our universe. Yeah. I, I I like that concept though in terms of of a revolution of ideas. Um, I refer to it personally as solar orthodoxy, and the reason why is because orthodoxy means correct thinking, and I think that mm. this is nothing new in our human experience. This is something as ancient as um, the first primordial religions at the, you know, the beginning of time when man was conscious of something higher than himself that he could never attain or ascribe to on his own. And so to me, it's almost like rediscovering something that has been lost for a long time in our, in our technologically saturated instant gratification world where we believe that the world is anthro, uh, anthro, um, you know, protropic instead mm -hmm. of heliotropic. And, um, so, yeah, I guess to define what it means to me in terms of masculinity is you mentioned Jack Donovan. He's kind of where I got this concept from yeah. initially. He actually asked me to, as a designer, work on a piece for him um, at, based on the state solar idea. And what I really glommed onto it is because it talks about what I think the ideal man should be. I feel like men function best when we have an ideal that we ascribe to. Think back yeah. to when you were a little boy and uh, or the audience, you know, put yourself in these shoes and you had like a hero, whether it was like a cowboy yeah. or a police officer or someone in the military. You probably had G.I. Joe action figures like I did. And mm -hmm. you wanted to be that thing or a football star, or basketball star that you want to to be at some point. I think that's inherently innate within us because men look to other men for an example. And the sun is the highest example of something that is that is visible. It's something that is strong, unyielding. Um, progenitive by nature. It causes growth to happen uh, all around it, all over the, the planet. It's the highest point in its system. And it's also something that is benevolent as well. It doesn't have to do what it does. Yeah. It does it because that is what it does. And I feel that when a man arrives in full, he does the same thing in his life as well. He's not doing this for his own ego or because he's trying to prove himself. He does it because he's full of that same light and warmth yeah. that the sun is. And he projects mm. it to the world around him. So, yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because this is a, this is a thing that I'm I'm looking at, right? So it's like I'm you have two different groups of people because I posted the other day about how if you worship the sun as a god, you receive the blessings as if you were worshiping an actual god. And then people took that as literally like I look up to the sun and I just see a god up there. Um, but it's more of like this metaphysical kind of like mythological example of, you know, you, like what you said, the the traits of the sun, how it's there. It's, it, it doesn't have to do what it does, but it does it anyways. It gives us rejuvenative properties. It heals us. It helps us. It motivates us. We look forward to the sun every single morning. And if we can somehow harness those at least traits within ourselves it gives you like this strong sense of hope and purpose and you want to do better so you know i have this and this is where i messaged you the other day because i was so confused about how um, some of my christian followers got so caught up on my verbiage about worshiping the sun and kind of taking that ideal and dude that 
that like threw me for a loop. I was so confused. That's when we started talking about like solar invictus and stuff like that, which I've never heard of. Um, but to me, the idea of the sun is kind of like how Jack Donovan's idea is, is um, just striving for a kind of like the heroic ideal. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, it's funny you bring up Christianity because I, I grew up in Christianity myself. I was very uh, fundamentalist, evangelical Christian, uh, Church of God, so more Pentecostal as well. Um, and I think that there is a, a fear and a hesitancy amongst a lot of Christians to, um, you know, they think about the the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Yeah. And when you start to use words like worship, or, you know, praise, it gets kind of, you know, scary to them at, at times with, for, for good reason, because that's what they've always known. Um, but it's, it's important to remember that the word worship just actually just simply means to give worth to something. Oh, so, okay. you know, like it's something that we do all the time. Like we essentially we worship our family. We give worth to our family because that is the that is the hearth of, of our existence and and our place in this world. We give worth to someone we love. We give worth to men that we respect and honor. So giving worth to the son because it is worthy is essentially what worship is. So. It is weird because, I, you know, I, I'm a pagan myself, but I, I remember yeah. this Christian perspective. And I don't think that the sun is a god necessarily, but the sun is definitely godlike in many uh -huh. ways. Because if it were to be extinguished, all life on earth would perish. Yeah. And without the sun, no life on earth would be possible. So while the idea of like Yahweh or Odin or Buddha or Muhammad or whatever is kind of an abstract mythological concept. The sun itself is a practical concrete concept of something that if it were to be removed from our system, all life as we know it would cease. And so that's definitely something awesome in the actual sense of the word and something worth ascribing worth to. Um, and yes, yeah, so going back to the idea of soul invictus. So the way that the West was Christianized, because remember, Christianity is a desert faith, just like Judaism yeah. and Islam. It's it's regionally specific to Judea and Galilee. And the way that it, it hopped over into, you know, the Western consciousness is through Constantine. Um, and essentially, he saw this sign in the sky that was the Cairo, which is the Pax symbol, um, and put it on either the shields of his uh, soldiers or had a standard in the air. Um, and he believed that he had a vision that said, by this sign, you will conquer. And as a result of that, Christianity became the state religion of Rome, eventually was on all the currency. Um, the pagan uh, temple started to die out. And then Western history, as we know it, progressed from there. But the interesting thing is, and there's a, a video, I'm sure uh, Forrest can provide a link to this in the notes, mm -hmm. um, by this guy named Religion for Breakfast, who actually goes back to the historical sources and says that, there was a Roman god of the sun. Apollo was associated with the sun, but there was also this god um, named Sol Invictus, which means in Latin, the unconquered sun. And uh, the emperor was in a cult of Sol Invictus. So he even saw, which is really fascinating here, is the video talks about him seeing himself, his likeness in this god, which to me is uh. what I think that we as men should do as well. Mm. The reason we look up to gods or heroes is that we may become those things as well. That's why yes. archetypes exist in our consciousness, right? And so the funny thing is, is that, you know, Christianity, they postulate in the video that Constantine didn't actually understand Christianity correctly. He instead was uh, putting the attributes of Sol Invictus on Jesus Christ, who also called himself the light of the world, etc., the son of God. 
And as a result, there was a syncretism between this, this henotheistic, which means believing in one pagan god, cult of the sun, and the desert religion of Christianity, which became a fusion with Roman paganism that became Catholicism mm. as we know it today. So something really interesting. Don't take my word for it. Research it yourself. But I think we both find that quite fascinating and enlightening. Pardon the pun. No, that was uh, when you sent me that video the other day. Uh, when I was at the gym, I've never heard of Sol Invictus before. And then when you told me the originations of Christianity, I couldn't help but what, and by, and by the way, guys, don't get so caught up on like the Christianity versus pagan thing. Okay. They're just placeholders yeah. for this episode. We're just using them as examples. So if you're a Christian listening to this, it's not going to be like, we're excluding you and we're not, you know, just like pro pagans because, um, Ben and I here, we, we haven't really talked about this out, out loud. Well, he did an episode on it, but we're not against Christians by any means. We, we don't want to see Christians go away. I actually think Christianity has some benefits and that it's actually helped the, uh, the Western world in many ways. So I don't think that we're just like sitting here, you know, just being like, oh, Christianity, blah, blah, blah. That's not how Ben and I operate. I, and I have to say that because I know that there's people that are going to be listening to what we're about to talk about and they're going to pull that out of context. But nonetheless, um, is your when you started to learn about Sol Invictus and Constantine and all this stuff like that and the sun, the solar ideal, is that what kind of started you to go on the path of Norse paganism? Are you like, how, I mean, because I know that we talked about, um, which we could say for another time about how you had this like mystical experience, but was Sol Invictus an inspiration for you moving into the path of the old ways? That's a great question. Um, so I, I kind of view my faith um, as like a as like a bullseye, like a bullseye in the middle and two rings on the outer side. And I actually, wow. if you go to my Instagram account, which is uh, Instagram at Oaks and Oaths, um, this is in my profile. Um, so I say through the gate of Tear, who has kind of become my patron god, yeah. um, up the solar mountain to the great mystery. So. I'm Norse pagan because I am Scandinavian and English in ancestry, as well as Germanic as well. And so is my wife. And so that is our ancestral tradition, mm. right? But every ancestral tradition comes from a fountainhead or a wellspring that's far deeper than that. And that yes. is um, sun worship in the Bronze Age. And Jack Donovan elucidates this very well in some of his content, um, stems from a proto-Indo-European um, experience that originated around the um, Pontic Caspian steppe somewhere near um, like the Black Sea. And there was a common culture. For example, there was um, the sun was considered to be Dies Vater, which is the, the, the sky father. Deus meaning sky, where we get mm. the, the, the English word day from. And Vater meaning father, like the, the uh, German word Vater or the Latin word Pater comes from that, uh, that root. And so... If you look at different pantheons in mythology, the word Jupiter is just a a, um, a portmanteau of Dios and Fater. So Jupiter, Dios Fater, it's the same deity. Zeus himself is a Greek uh, a, a Hellenization of Dios. And um, the god Tiawaz, uh, or Tyr, from yeah. the god I follow, was actually originally the Germanic god of the sky, as well as there's some um, gods in, in the Vedic uh, tradition as well in India, because that, that came from the same culture mm -hmm. as well. So so as I see things, um, I like to work backwards, and I believe that that time is not necessarily linear as it is cyclical. Uh. And as I find myself in this, this position in, in the wheel of time, I can link back to my Germanic ancestors. They go back further to this 
point of originization and the Pontic Caspian steppe. And then uh, that's why I follow the, the cult of the sun in that in- aspect. But then further back, there's the grand mystery of what the universe is entirely. We, we just don't know. It, it's a mystery. If you look at, for example, Eastern Orthodoxy, uh, the Christian religion that I have tremendous respect for, I actually used to attend an Eastern Orthodox church. Mm-hmm. They talk about the Trinity being a mystery that can't be described. And I think the problem that that the age of reason has done in our modern time is that we feel like we need to have an answer for every single thing that we can't understand. And that negates faith because faith means that there is something bigger than us that we are impacted by, that we have a, yes. a role in, but that we can never completely understand until we walk hell vague and we're back with our ancestors, um, either in, yes. in, in Valhall or Folkbanger or the mound. So that's the answer be- the question. No, that's beautifully put. And that kind of like, calls to my atheist background because um my, my audience already knows that i was an atheist at one point actually for more than a few years i was an atheist longer than i was a north pagan to be honest but um you know at a certain point you just have to understand that there's more to life than we can currently conceptualize and for me the faith faith in general was kind of like bridging the gap between what i am or who I am and what I am from a cosmic perspective, but also from a biological and, um, you know, a traditional perspective because I'm Germanic, Scandinavian myself. So I had to ask myself, why, why are these old gods resonating with me so much? Why are these old ways resonating with me? And it wasn't just Norse mythology. It was, um, uh, pre-Christian mythologies, like you, when you talked about um, Zeus and you talked about Jupiter and stuff like that, like, they, like those all meant something to me. And um, for me, I just realized that Norse paganism was just essentially um, kind of like a religion or a faith that my ancient ancestors attached themselves to. And then that they kind of like called to me in a way. And I noticed a lot of people on this path or on any faith in general, they are often called to it because I've often said that, and this is kind of being like humorous, I guess, but I called Norse paganism the the path of non-consent because it's not like we just wake up and then we're just all of a sudden Norse pagans. It's a slow draw to it. And um, I've noticed- Especially if you're seeking after Odin, man, he'll he'll kick your ass. Oh, dude. Yeah, totally. And then uh, (laughs) you have like two, you have a few different ways that people come to the path. They have through media, which I mean, that's fine, you know, like the mm-hmm. Vikings and, uh, you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but, or dreams, because I knew, I know that people like you and I, we came to this path from dreams and symbols. And I, that was the thing that shocked me the most was that I realized that there's something deep within my subconscious that wants to be drawn to this path. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, Absolutely. And you know, I think it's interesting too, Forrest, is I'm thinking about our Christian brothers that are listening to this. And here is how I think that the solar framework or the solar philosophy is a great point of unification between us because we're all sons of Europe. We're all sons of the same place, right? And brother wars have torn us apart for yeah. thousands of years. And and what and what has that accomplished? I mean, there there were some that that were more necessary than others for sure but but the, our soul is still linked to the same source mm-hmm. and um 
looking back at that, I think about how the way God is portrayed in Christianity, especially to the Western mind. Now, Yahweh in, in, in the Hebrew tradition is never depicted, almost like Muhammad isn't as well. Uh, in fact, if, if you're Jewish, you don't even write the letter O between G and D because it's supposed to be never supposed to be written down on anything that can be destroyed. Um, it's a very mystical, Eastern kind of perspective of seeing a deity. The way that God is portrayed across Western culture is a bearded man on a throne in the sky who looks an awful lot like Odin, right? Mm. And the way you see Jesus depicted often is riding on a horse um, and coming like a, a god of war, much different than the man of peace that the Bible talks about. Again, that that conjures up ideas of, of Tyr or Thor or Odin riding across the sky in the wild hunt. So... And then, obviously, the biggest one that just happened, Yule has become Christianity. And the irony is everyone always says Jesus is the reason for the season. But no, uh, Odin is the reason for the season, guys. And mm. and Saturnalia is the reason for the season. Like, this is our ancestral story. So, and I think a lot of Christians might not like this point, but I think that most Christians don't practice Christianity as Jesus intended it. They follow a syncretic religion that is a combination of their pagan ancestral memories fused into a Christian theology, um, much like um, much like um, you know, like like um, Constantine did the same thing. He took his pagan perspective and married it to something else because it was it was it was advantageous for him because because if he could consolidate all of Rome under one deity, they'd be easier to control. He'd be able to consolidate more power. And he'd be able to establish more of a monarchy as opposed to a republic. And yeah. I feel like, you know, Christianity in many ways it gives comfort to folks in, in a similar way. Yeah, I think so, too. And then one of the things that I get, you know, now that I have you here is that I have a lot of people who I don't even know how to answer this question, to be honest. So I'll leave this to you because I know I have like 30 people who are lined up trying to ask me this question. I'm like, dude, I don't I don't know. But they talk about um about what do you do if you're on the path or what do you do if you're Christian and you're hearing the ca call of the old ways, the old gods? Because I think Christians, um, and understandably so, they're like guilt-ridden guilt -ridden when they find interest in like Odin or T or like any other pantheon, really. And then um, I, I can only, and then they always do this. I don't know why they do this, but they think that they just went, they're like, this is the path for me. I need to tell my family immediately. And then they mm. cause like a huge rift in their family. And I'm like, mm. I'm not a Christian, but that doesn't sound like a good idea to me. <laughs> like, don't do that. What is your, what is your advice for that? Well, tread, tread carefully because I personally have paid a cost for walking on this path with my own family. Um, my family is still, especially my dad, um, is very, very Christian. Yeah. And, I think it's definitely stands. I mean, we live in different states now, but I think it it's definitely a wall between our friendship that that saddens me. And I think understanding the Christian perspective and then understanding the pagan perspective is important. Uh, a lot of times, Christians have a world denying um, perspective, which I talked about my podcast. Um, mm -hmm. They believe that Jesus is eventually going to destroy the world, come back, take the Christians away, destroy the world in fire. And create a new heaven and a new earth. Um, so there's this very linear, in the beginning God created, in the end God will destroy. And I feel like most pagans kind of have this more, time is a human construct, and there's been several Ragnaroks or mass extinctions, and time just keeps moving on. And therefore, we must be 
appreciative, if not accepting, like as truth, but appreciative of perspectives other than ours. Because if you look at the, our gods, like the Aesir gods incorporated the Vanir tribe of gods into Asgard. And there is a sense of assimilation and growth because how you grow your tribe is how you grow your influence and how you grow your territory. And that's, again, going back to our the, the thesis of this conversation. If pagans and Christians can unite under a sort of solar ethos, then we're both going to become more successful in advocating our goals on this world that we can all agree is very broken and very far away from the dreams of our ancestors. And so specifically talking about those on the Christian path who feel a call to the gods, first of all, these gods are real. And if you start calling after Odin and seeking after Odin, he might kick your ass. I mean, the group of pagans that I was hanging out with in Ohio wouldn't even call them by his name they'd always call him the old the old man because they had so much respect for him and the power that he wields and he came to me in an ecstatic state uh about a year and a couple months ago and it almost caused me to lose everything that i had so first of all count the cost know what you're in for um you know the gods our gods don't really care about what you do they or they don't care about what you say they care about what you do they're looking for your actions and yeah. if, so if you're going to say something that definitive and that declarative like i'm following after these gods they're going to put you through some hell um in the biblical sense not in, the, in our in our mm-hmm. sense um to see if you're serious and if you mean what you're going to say i i almost equate it forced maybe you can agree with this too joining the military a lot of people get all excited about joining the military, but then they got to go to yeah, the yeah. drill, the boot camp. And uh, that, that puts the pedal to the metal. Christianity is not like that. You say a couple words, accept Jesus in your heart, give some pastor 10% of your money, and then you're good as long as you you know don't sin or whatever. But this is a lot more of a visceral faith. So number one, know what you're getting into. Number two, give it time. Um, our faith is very natural. And I call my, my, my what I do oaks and o's for a reason because both oaks – take a long time to grow and oaths take a long time to keep. But if, if the oath is unbroken and the seed is given enough time to grow, both are strong and enduring. And I feel like men should be both of those things. So give it time is the second thing. And the third thing is ask for signs for the, from the gods, the gods, they maybe not Odin cause he's always doing his own thing, but different yeah. gods that you reach out to will give you signs along the way confirmed by a friend confirmed by maybe a natural event or confirmed by maybe a mystical experience that you have. That's what's happened to me. I've had literal signs from the gods that I'm on the right path mm-hmm. where, and I asked if Jesus was there and the answer I got was yes, but not for you. And I asked if Odin was there and the answer was yes. And, and you need to follow me, but it's going to suck. And so yeah. I'm like, all right. And I'm on the path. So I like how yeah. you mentioned that too, because um, people have this like fantastical idea about this um, path that it's going to be, I think they've romanticized it a little bit too much, you know, the Norse pagan path, when in actuality, I call it the path of pain, because the path of development is the path of pain. And Mm -hmm. Odin and the old gods, the old ways, life in general demands us to develop, adapt and overcome. And um, when you were talking about um, Odin and how Odin came to you, and you mentioned something that kind of probed my interest, because this is a topic that is um, up for serious debate in our community is is are do you think that the old gods are literally real as in they're in the sky they're doing their thing or do you think it's more of a metaphysical slash archetypal concept this is a people talk about this a lot within the community shit dude okay this is a hard question 
It's a hard this question, is, man. I'm willing to go in on this question. All right, man. Me too, man. Absolutely. I'm game. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a definitely a polarizing thing. I, okay. So I think here's my thoughts on it. I think for the, the neophyte, the, the person walking on the path, there's almost like an insistence that the gods are real, you know, yeah. because you watch Vikings or you play a game or whatever. And, and coming from Christianity where you know, we're told that God is literally in heaven and Jesus is literally at the right hand of the Father, et cetera, that there's that expectation. And my answer is is, is both and. and. And it's kind of, it's not a cop-out. In a way, I believe, this is what I believe about it, essentially. Um, I believe that our gods are real, but I believe that they're more tied to us than we realize. Um, oh. For example... All right, so the, the Norse creation story is that there is the Jotun Ymir, and from his body, um, everything is created and fashioned from his body. I feel like that's very similar to us as well. We as a people are fashioned from the body of the gods. And as we honor our ancestors, and as we walk on this journey, we it's almost like, you know, Joseph Campbell. I know you're a fan of Joseph Campbell. Yeah, yeah. It's like this hero's journey. We're leaving the Shire. We're leaving Tatooine and we're going to Mordor, Dagobah. And we're, and we're learning more about ourselves. We're encountering these deeper subconscious elements of ourselves. And if we go back to archetypes in, in heroism, heroism, I think the gods essentially are heroic ideals for us as a culture yes. to try to adhere to that also simultaneously have their own sentience and their own consciousness in the spiritual realm. Um, so because here's the thing that most people understand. Everything is connected to each other. You look at Yggdrasil, it binds the nine realms together. It binds everything material together. We all descend from a part of Ymir's body, you know, from from Ganunga Gap. So, I mean, that's kind of going deep into Norse mm -hmm. mythology, but read the poetic edda if you want to know what that means. It's it's our creation myth, our creation story. Um, so the way that we bring the gods back is not to just yell Odin as loud as we can off a mountain, although that's pretty badass. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> when Jacob does that, I'm like, that's pretty sick. But e that, even more so, that, that brings the consciousness and awareness of the gods back. But the way we really bring them back is to embody them and do what they did. Follow their example and honor our folk and become the best version of ourself that we can be. And again, in this culture, there's a lot of people that would say that that's not, not right to want to honor your culture or honor your folk. But I'm of the opinion that there is great beauty in the diversity of gods. I'm a polytheist. I, I think the diverse pantheons are interesting and beautiful. I think diverse people are interesting and beautiful. I don't think that our intention is to become one homogenous society under capitalism where we are forced to or or communism we're forced to either produce for the state or consume for the state our goal is to live a rich and flourishing human experience and that is something that requires a spiritual journey that you cannot buy that you cannot vote for but that you must that like prometheus wrestle from the gods and bring back into your life and bring back to your people and that's how you live a heroic meaningful life a life of honor and something worthy of being passed down to your descendants that is ultimately, I wish I could just sniff that right now because I want to put that in like my, my story. But the way that you answered it is exactly how I feel about, about the, the gods, right? So it's like people ask me, they're like, Forrest, do you believe, um, really my family too, because they're mostly non-religious. Um, but they ask me like, do you think that these gods are actually real? Like, do you believe that they are 100% real? Like Odin exists. And it's like, 
to explain it to them is like how you explain it. That's why I like your answer so much. Because to me, they are archetypes of our subconscious. It's very uh, union in nature, very yeah. symbolic. Yeah. And they are real because these powers within us are real. So it's like the yes. gods would not exist without us. We would not exist without the gods. And one of the things that drew me to the this path the most was the polytheistic aspect of it. So you have each God, which has their own very unique personalities. I mean, yeah, they kind of, they're, they're similar in some ways, but also they're genuinely unique. So to me, um, the gods are ideals that we can strive for. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have the honor and the courage and the loyalty that comes with tear. And it's like, you could take certain aspects yeah. of tear and apply them to yourself. You have the, um, wisdom and the knowledge and the curiosity of Odin, you have the, the strength, the willpower and stamina and uh, that protection aspect of Thor. So it's like, to me, the gods are real to me because I understand archetypes. I understand the power of the subconscious and um, it goes in line with, I think our faith goes in line with like the hero's journey, very Joseph Campbell in nature. Um, but I, a lot of people, it sucks because they can't get past the first step of are the gods real or are they not real? It's like, yes and no. And it's, it's not like this set in stone concrete answer that a lot of um, people want to hear because this is the thing that bothers me. And I'm not going to get too caught up on this, but when, yeah. when, when I've gone to some gatherings, uh, there's been like a few people who are like, dude, I just saw Odin in the woods. He came to me out of the woods and he talked to me. We talked and we drank beer together. I'm like, Ugh. Like, oh my God, no, that's not, I don't believe, like, I don't want to disregard anyone's experiences, but, um, but yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it is that it's an ideal that we can strive for. And then before we move on to, um, bridging the gap between Christianity and paganism through the solar ideal, is there anything else that you want to comment on what we just talked about? Because I really like, um, what you said. Hmm. I think it, it was funny to you are mentioning a segue because I, I was thinking of a segue myself um, mm. between what we just discussed about what the gods are to, you know, um, the solar ideal as well. First of all, I, I would say that to Christians, um, don't just think of Jesus or Yahweh, if that's what you feel like you need to follow as being, you know, just real things that you are subjects to essentially that you need to bow the knee to. The Bible says that if, you know, if you want to follow after me, take up your cross and, you know, die to yourself. And um, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, for I and the Father are one. I used to have love Bible memorized. I, I know it very well. Uh -huh. Jesus is asking people to essentially do the same thing we're talking about. Take on the deity that you follow so that you may become more like that deity. Yeah. Um, you know, the Bible Colossians 2 talks about God, did, Jesus did not seek equality with God as something to be grasped, but humbled himself, you know, as a man and died a death on a cross, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the, that's the, like the path of pain is the path of any religion because what religion is all about, and I'm convinced of this, is this. We, we we are on like the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs when we're born. We we want shelter, we want food, we want water, we want, you know, whatever. But as we go through life, we start to realize that we as humans are more capable than just being animals. We have this mm -hmm. consciousness, we have this ability to reason, we have this ability to make art and literature and influence folks and spread ideas that animals don't necessarily have. And 
what what I think that men are called to is the path of the warrior. And I make a distinction between a soldier and a warrior here. A soldier mm-hmm. works on the behalf of a state or a king to accomplish some sort of goal. He has an enemy that is defined. A warrior is more spiritual in nature because his main enemy is himself, his darkness, his shadow. And the point of spirituality is to walk into your own darkness, to walk into the thing that scares you, to incorporate that into yourself, and to come out on the other side like the sun rising above that darkness in your life, that uncertainty, that fear, that depression, your own um, you know, biases and, and hatreds or whatever these things are, are all based in fear and rise above that sort of thing. So ultimately the goal, I believe, of, of religion, and if you want to debate me about this, you can, is to essentially ascend to godhood because we start off as yes. a, as an animal, as, as a helpless animal, a little fetus, a collection of cells that materialistically is just nothing but like this like little tiny embryo that, that's just a bunch of cluster of cells. And we're able to evolve into someone like Theodore Roosevelt or mm-hmm. we're able to evolve into Julius Caesar or we're able to vol- evolve into, you know, Ragnar Lothbrook, like there's something amazing about that journey and it's this endless upward spiral of ascension to the point that when we release that cellular material our spirit has transcended it and is fused with that which came before us and burns like the sun um in the ancestral memory of those who come after us and that is the point of religion it's carrying this fire from an embryonic cluster to Mm. giving ourselves back to death and then hitting that torch to the next life that comes into this world to me, that's yes. the only point of religion. That is storytelling. Um, I couldn't help but it is. It is storytelling. You're essentially writing your own story because what is life but a story? And the way that I kind of view, like, I'm just thinking about so much right now because now I'm excited. But the way I view my life is that <laughs> of too, like a story, a myth, right? Mm-hmm. And if the gods can have these amazing, awesome, uh, heroic myths about themselves, like, why can't I create my own? And, um, I really like how you use the word ascension because ascension to me is important for a few reasons. One, it's very Joseph Campbell in nature. And obviously I'm a fan of Joseph Campbell. And for anybody who's not familiar with ascension and what it means from um, the hero's journey is that post, so you have the abyss, which is like the lowest part of your lives. Everybody knows what the abyss is. It's, it's darkness. It's the void. It's severe depression. It's loneliness. It's, maybe even suicidal tendencies, whether it's aromatized or like legitimate. And um, this could last a period of, I don't know, weeks, months, and maybe even years if you you don't pay attention. But then post-abyss, you have the ascension, which is essentially what Ben talked about here, which is the rise to godhood. Now, we can never become gods, obviously, but we can mimic them and we can um, attempt to get on their level. And ultimately, ascension is about rising to potential godhood. But the thing about ascension is that it often only comes after the abyss, after a great period of darkness and sadness, essentially uh, Ragnarok, you know, whether it's your own psychological Ragnarok or like a physical, like World War II or something like that. Now, this year 2020 (laughs) or the year 2020, like 2021 is looking very hopeful for a lot of people because essentially for a lot of us, um, you know, 2020 was very difficult. It was essentially like our own mini Ragnarok. People lost their jobs, you know, their homes because of the coronavirus, all this stuff like that. But now 2021 is our path to ascension. Mm. We're essentially striving for godhood. Now, this, the path to ascension, I'm not going to get into it too much because I already did in 
episode on this, but it's maintaining physical fitness, some type of faith, striving for um, godhood, the the divine, um, and most importantly, it's comes with building a tribe, building a community, and um, just playing the game of life. And I think that's why, to tie it back to what you said about why man needs faith and religion, is that ultimately what it does, no matter what it is, no matter what faith it is, it puts them on a path towards ascension. And that's why I like that people are starting to use the word ascension more. Not only is that word beautiful and powerful, but the meaning that is behind it is is changing people. So right when you said ascension, I was like, boom, that's it right there. Mm. Man, and, and also coming back to the sun too, I, I think a very important distinction to make, especially for maybe some younger folks out there who are, you know, just just kind of encountering these ideas. The point of godhood, or we're terming that, is not based out of the ego. It's not about the glorification of one's individual self. It's about the the promotion of everyone else in that person's orbit. When a man becomes immortalized from a man to a hero, he has a responsibility for eternity to be an example to other men that come after him to also rise to that same standard. It's It's an eternally... Um, self, you know, reproducing system like the sun that has its own internal energy and shines forth forever as a beacon and as a um, as an impulse to grow. We essentially become one with the sun, I believe, upon this ascension. And then, regardless of what our deities are, that's that really doesn't even matter mm-hmm. at the end of the day because exactly. we, we, you know, we're all people. We all. I always tell people that I have a lot of the same Christian morals without any of the Christian deities. You know, like we all we all want the same things in life, right? They're, yeah. they're pretty universal for the most part. And what Forrest is talking about, like everything that he's mentioned starts with you. And the problem that I see in this world is that so many people blame other people for their condition in life. Yeah. And the opposite of a sun is a black hole. A black hole is a star that has exploded and it takes all matter and destroys it and makes it antimatter. And a lot of men who do not, in my estimation, have this solar perspective end up becoming black holes. They become Mm. negative. They become doomers. They become toxic in the sense of to themselves, what they eat, the toxicity of what they put in their body, what they say to other people. And they just they don't do anything productive. And they're essentially they've gone from a sun to a black hole. And um, the only way you can get a black hole sun is if you're Soundgarden and you recorded that song. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, but um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the why the sun is such a powerful and potent motif for any man, regardless of what he believes in. Mm-hmm. And um, and I would also say to cap on that, too, is even though the sun is a physical object, I do believe it has a spiritual energy and yes. a personification to itself, just like the gods do, just like they exist in their in consciousness in their own way. I believe that something that immense and that powerful has to have its own consciousness as well. And that consciousness has seen, you know, billions of years of space and knows far more because we ourselves are just stardust that have evolved into whatever we've become you know, if you want to believe that theory, there's other theories out there too that I think are interesting. But regardless of what it is, the sun is the one-eyed all-father because it shines its eye over all and sees all things. And so, and so, yeah, maybe there is something to attempting to understand it from an actual entity perspective as well as just a physiological construct in the sky. Yeah, I like this is um this is what we talked about a couple of days too. Is that I also like looking at the sun as its own spiritual being because. Mm. Um, 
oh god geez i could go in the rabbit hole on this but it, it's basically <laughs> it's so funny i start talking about something and i was like that's its own episode but uh yep. it's about genetic memory and how if i were to stare at any symbol or the sun hopefully you don't stare at the sun but uh <laughs> it's very tempting but don't do it but if you yeah. stare at any symbol for any prolonged period of time especially thousands of years it de it develops its own consciousness through yours and i think that's where a lot of people get lost on the concept mm -hmm. of the sun is yeah. that um essentially the sun is an archetype in and of itself and um through the human subconscious we have created a deity out of the sun and that's what makes it powerful is that it's essentially a symbol and one of the things that um and and, and look at the power of the sun it's like this is a thing that I think a lot of us have forgotten too, is that you like nature is obviously very cyclic and winters used to be very, very hard for our ancestors. And I forgot about that up until like the last couple of years of reading. And I realized, Oh my God, like when Yule came around, I learned about what Yule is. And it's essentially, I mean, you might die that winter and that's why, you know, you mm -hmm. celebrate Yule because it's like a last hurrah before you go the next three to four months without seeing the sun. And then when you see the sun, you're like, oh my God, I made it. I'm alive. Mm -hmm. The sun is here. It's beautiful. I'm warm. You know, it's like I don't have to suffer anymore. Um, so it's like, it's like, obviously that's why um, it's important to us. But what I wanted to talk about right here was how you talked briefly about how the fire spreads, um, mm -hmm. how the solar ideal spreads. And I had a dream and I posted about this, about how I was sitting next to a fire and I was in the middle of the woods and I was stoking this fire. And as I was stoking the fire, one of the flames jumped out and it mm. jumped to a tree and lit the tree on fire. And I was like, oh God, I was like, that's not good. And then uh, the tree started to burst into light. And then all of a sudden flames went, started to jump to all these trees. And I started to make me panic and I was afraid of like, not only in, in the dream, I was like, oh my God, I'm starting a forest fire. But also um, when I woke up, I noticed that there was symbology behind that. And fire is a natural, I mean, it's a destructive force, but it also can be regenerative. It can keep you warm, keep you safe, keep out the predators. It separates us from them. It's essentially, a, it's a, a wall. And, mm -hmm. um, and uh, God, where was I going with that? I got, I got caught <laughs> up in the dream. God, I just lost my train of thought. But, um, oh, okay. So the basis of the solar ideal is that the idea of solar ascension, it spreads and it mm -hmm. jumps to person to person. And um, I really like how you use the symbology of the black hole versus the sun. You know, essentially black holes in the representation of people is en uh, energy vampires and people who just yes. leech, leech and they take your energy. And we all know those people. So I guess um, to finish off this episode, let's just talk about how we can bridge, unless there's anything else you want to talk about that, but how we can bridge um because you said that you had some friends who are Christians. How can yeah. we bridge the gap between, um, I don't know, followers of the old ways and Christians through the idea of the sun? Maybe you could give them an example of how you talk to them about this. Because we briefly hit on it. But how do you talk to them about this? Because they both, we both understand the power of it. But anyways, I'll let you, I'll let you yeah. answer that. Well, I think to, to pre preamble that a little bit is the sun is the only, you know, constant mediator between you and every single one of your ancestors mm. regardless of what deity you believe in every single person who has lived on this planet 
has had an interaction in a relationship with the sun in the past a lot more than now because of you know our 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 world shelters us from the sun in so many ways in fact even vilifies us yeah um but think about that every single person that in your ancestral line was infused with the energy and the power of this thing and that's what helped you get to this point so i mean when you think about people calling the sun like sky father going back to the bronze age it makes sense i mean it, it is a father in a way it's it's almost like the inspiration of the holy spirit but the inspiration of the sun is what inspires everything to keep happening and so i think i use that sort of as a foundational perspective between the guys so i work out um five times a week with two guys sometimes more and my brother who who's figuring out his own journey right now but the two guys are really strong christians and i Uh from the beginning i i said hey i'm not interested in converting to christianity i'm a norse pagan that's what i believe but this is what i think that men should be And, and i think the reason why they're and I use the solar ideal as a way to kind of frame and highlight my goals and aspirations in life. And I think the reason that they really respect that and work with that is because we're trying to accomplish the same thing. Like, um, I'm just going to go out limb and say this. I haven't looked at pornography in 13 months. And I was addicted nice. to it from the time I was 14 till the time that I was 31, yeah. 30, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I made an oath that I fulfilled that I wouldn't look at it. And I get tremendous joy and and brilliance in my own heart from being able to put that thing aside and it's something that can be done and there those guys are younger they're 10 years younger than me and they they want to get rid of stuff like that from their life as well and they also like me i want to get stronger i want to work on my you know my my big four my my deadlift my squat my bench yeah. my overhead press compounds. i want to get those mm-hmm. yeah compounds i'll get those numbers up there make mark ripito proud wherever he's at <laughs> yeah. and um and uh these dudes want the same thing so we want this, and I and I genuinely care about these guys, and I want them to be happy, and they want me to be happy. And so, at the end of the day, whatever happens after we die doesn't really matter because we currently live underneath the same sun. It's mm-hmm. it's giving its benefits to both of us, regardless of what we believe about things. And that ideal is helping all of us become better. And if we extrapolate and expound that and expand that to men in general, if men of different political, religious, cultural persuasions can all align around the same ideals, these same concepts that are hardwired in all of our DNA, then instead of wasting our time in, in bickering and fighting with each other while the people at the top of society run and control every aspect of our lives, perhaps we can take our power, we can rise like the sun, and we can lead and light and illuminate a new way forward for other men. I believe that that's possible, but it's going to take rising above our own pride and our own ego mm-hmm. and realizing that we have a common mission and a common fight. And that's the will of the individual against the world full of darkness and believing that we have the power to not spread ideas through anger or through hatred, but spread ideas because they are true, they are right, they are good. And like, you know, a pole, like a pole on the earth, they are magnetic and they pull people toward that magnetic force. We have that on our side. We've mm-hmm. just forgotten that. And I think it's far, this last year to me has been a stark reminder that we've forgotten that for far too long. And all we simply have to do is rise together because collectively a bunch of torches together will create a light that could even rival the sun on this planet. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that's, that should be our mission. And that's the thing is like, I'll end it with the end it with that. Cause that was just perfect. The way you put that is that, um, 
is that we all like like what he said is that we are all underneath the sun right it doesn't matter who you are where you come from essentially we're all given life by the same thing and solar ascension is essentially working together for a common goal it is making ourselves stronger better people it's reading it's writing it's speaking like in this and this is why in my episode about the soul about ascension is that i talked about you need to be um for the audience members you need to be creating content you need to be making new accounts um podcasting is a really great way to start doing this and um essentially start forging yourself into a, a bigger better stronger faster more intelligent man because what i always say is that if there's anything that the modern world doesn't want you to be it's to be strong it's to be capable um it's to be steadfast and it's to talk about the things that Ben and I are talking about because there's a lot of people who would listen to this podcast and they would be absolutely disgusted by it because we're talking about solar ideals, we're talking about strength, we're talking about yeah. faith. And if there's anything that the modern world wants you to be, it's distracted. It wants you to be addicted to drinking, pornography, video games, and people like Ben and I, and hopefully you audience listening to this, um, we're the start of something bigger and better. And I could feel feel it and I could mm. see it in the things that you guys are posting and what you're saying and things are going to change a lot and ultimately the black pill for a lot of you guys is turning white and mm. I'm excited to see you guys on your journey and um, I appreciate you Ben coming out here for this episode this is an episode I've been wanting to do for a long time and as we are talking I realized that there's so much more that we can talk about. Like I wanted to dive down so many rabbit holes, but I was like, <laughs> like everything. Um, but uh, is there anything else that you want to end this episode on? Something on the top of your head? Feel free. I do. I, I thank you. First of all, thank you so much, Forrest, for having me on here. I recognize that your your reach is farther than mine. And I, I'm not in this for the for the for the likes or the follows. In fact, I started back in June and I, I would have been happy with a hundred followers. And I mean mm -hmm. it's it's grown a little bit beyond that, but I just, I'm a man who has a passion about this and a urgency um, to make an impact on this world. That's the best we can do. Mm -hmm. uh, Teddy Roosevelt says, do the best you can with what you have. And I want to say too, that in summation, this is what honor is all about because honor is an ideal and it's living to an ideal that you become that ideal. And that's why I have like, you know, no nervousness or trepidation speaking with you is because I honor you for us because I see what you put out there and I see what you're doing. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do as well. So when we come together, we're joining our honor together and making it something bigger than it was before. And when mm -hmm. you have your conversations with other folks um, and when all you people who follow him um, repost what he says and, and engage with what he says, you're also ascribing to that, that, that code of honor. And the code of honor is absolutely essential to create a tribe. And a tribe is absolutely essential to create a movement. And a movement is absolutely essential to change things. And none of us individually can change the world. But together, collectively, we can start to make a difference. And so everyone who's listening to this podcast, if you agree with what we're talking about, even if not so much the religious stuff, but the bigger goals, yeah. I would invite you just to really think about what you can do to not only better yourself, but find your voice, put your message out there in the world, talk to people in your family, and let's just let's just fucking change this planet, man, mm -hmm. because we can. I, I believe we can. I, I believe we can, too. What's the point of life if we if we think we can't? I don't want to be defeated mm -hmm. that way. I like a good challenge, and this is the biggest challenge there is. So let's all tackle it together. I think so, too. That's uh, very well put. 
Is there anywhere else that your audience, so just, I like to end each episode with my guests is obviously where is the best place for your audience, just in case they missed it, um, where's the best place for your audience to reach you? Yeah, so um, Instagram is where I'm pretty much only active, that in my podcast at this point. Um, it's it's at Oaks, O-A-K-S-A-N-D-O-A-T-H-S, Oaks and O's. My symbol is a manage rune with an oak tree leaf behind it. Uh, this year, though, um, and also I'm, my podcast, the Oaks and O's podcast, is on um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. But this year, I'm going to also be starting a website. Uh-huh. I'm going to start selling some merch and stuff um, because I, you know, because it's nice to have some passive income um, mm-hmm. because I, my wife's like, like, what's the point of this? And I'm like, uh, it's got a point. Trust me. Um, <laughs> and I, I got to sell it to her. And also I'm going to start um, creating like an email list as well this year mm-hmm. where I'm going to send out what I call acorns, which are just little nuggets of inspiration to jot down my thoughts, keep everybody inspired, motivated, updated, and just kind of try to build this thing and, and really take, take back 2021, rewrite the narrative and make it our year. So I'd love to have you check out what I do. I'm, I'm very active on Instagram. I usually get back with people right away. And if you have any questions, please hit me up. Okay. You guys heard it from uh, Ben himself, but nonetheless, Ben, I appreciate it. And for the audience members, um, this episode is going to be posted on Patreon first. So don't forget to subscribe to that. And then we're going to put it out to the public, but nonetheless, Ben, I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, sir.